text for the message this morning is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, as 1 Corinthians still before you there as as you skim it, you can see that as it describes the triumph of Jesus Christ and the hope of our bodily resurrection, it, it reminds us of a, of a bird soaring through the sky. The promises, they lift us up to, to heights of joy and confidence. And we would expect that the Holy Spirit would conclude this chapter by telling us to, to keep our minds in the sky. Rejoice over what is coming. However, when we get to the last verse of this chapter, verse 58, it's like the soaring bird flutters down from the sky and returns to her nest, her young, her duty. The Holy Spirit leads us from the certainty of the triumph of the Christian in the resurrection directly into questions about our labor, our daily work, chapter 16, our financial offerings for the needy. And then we see that Christ's triumph is not something that just has consequences in the future, <clears throat> but his victory shines upon our work right now, right here. Although Labor Day is just a Canadian civic holiday, was initiated by employees seeking better working conditions, in many families today, the day has come to serve as the boundary day between vacation, vacation and vocation. With summer schedules on the one side and regular schedules, on the other. On Tuesday, students and teachers will be returning to their studies and universities. And soon afterwards, our regular schedules of work and Bible studies will begin again. It's a good time for us to think about the work, the labor that we are doing. What is the purpose of everything that we are busy with? How should we look at our regular labor, the repeated cycles that continue year after year? In our text, the Holy Spirit brings the triumph of the resurrection into your Tuesday plan for work or study. And I preach to you this gospel under the following theme, Christ's resurrection triumph shines through in all our labor. We labor in the Lord knowing the end result, steadfast in our purpose, and committed to excellence. If you look at your text, you'll see the first verse is the word, therefore. Therefore, that's a word that indicates that we're arriving at a conclusion that has implications for our lives. And the word makes us want to see how did Paul come to this conclusion. How can he end this chapter saying, knowing that our labor is not in vain? How did he get to that point? 
when I look around together with the, uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes, I can see that everyone dies, whether they are righteous or not, hardworking or lazy, rich or poor. It does not seem like the worker gains anything from his toil since it's just passed on to the next generation and who knows whether they will use it for good or for evil. And so eager for the comfort of the, the conclusion, we are together driven through the, the curtain of the therefore to see what light is shining down through the window upon our labor. What is it that the Holy Spirit points to that leads him to confidently tell members of Christ's church that their labor is not in vain? It's the verses before our text. They reveal that Christians can be confident that their labor on earth is not in vain because Jesus Christ has triumphed over death. If you look at the verses, verse 14 to 19, Paul is saying that unless my, my preaching is rejected as vain and as a lie, then, and our faith is actually meaningless, if that's true, then, then none of the rest of this is true. There is no therefore. But the truth is, Jesus died for our sins, verses 1 to 4. He talks about that, verse 12, verse, verse 20. Jesus conquered the grave. He rose from the dead in accordance with the Scriptures. That is the gospel we preach and we believe. And then you'll notice in our text he refers to, to those to whom he is talking as beloved brothers, beloved brothers and sisters, beloved friends. And if you look through the verses before, you see that if you are among those beloved, that beloved church of Jesus Christ, you can know even more than the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. You can know that your body also will rise from the dead. The Holy Spirit reveals, verse 20, that Christ is only the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And that just as in Adam all die, so also all those who belong to Christ shall be made alive at his coming. That's verses 22 and 23. And if you continue to look on from that, verses 24 to 28, you can see that the promise is that all God's enemies will be placed in subjection to him. And then death itself will be destroyed. Even death, Paul calls the last enemy, is just that. It's, it's the last enemy. And it, it's lost its sting. Death, one writer writes, death has no dart with which to wound us except sin, since death proceeds from the anger of God. Now it is only with our sins that God is angry. Take away sin, therefore, and death is no more able to harm us. Our bodies, all their weaknesses, will be changed in a moment if we are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. In the twinkling of an eye and the last trumpet, 
And what is perishable will put on the imperishable, and this mortal body will put on immortality. That means it will never die again. Death will be swallowed up. As God gives the victory to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. All this means that when you were conceived in your mother's womb, you were beginning a life that would never end. And at the end of verse 58, Paul makes it clear that knowing about the continuation of your life and the resurrection of your body is the same thing as knowing that all the work and all the labor that you do on the earth is not in vain. And Paul's words today encourage us to spend time studying the doctrines of Holy Scripture, the teaching of Holy Scripture. The, really, the most important part of all the different tasks that we are involved in is understanding why we are doing them. And this understanding comes through placing yourself under the preaching of the Word of God. It comes from being active in ongoing Bible study in your homes, by yourself, or if your family, if you have a family, or with other believers in, in the church-organized Bible studies, expressing your faith in your conversation with those who do not know Jesus Christ. These exercises, this, this study of God's Word is foundational to all the labor, all the work that you are doing during the week. In order to know the end results, we need to study. The more we study, it is easier to enjoy the work of our hands. The more we know, believe, reflect on, and celebrate the love of God to us in Christ Jesus and his triumph over death, the more steadfast we can be in our purpose as we live with a long-term, confident perspective in all that we do, as we labor in the Lord, steadfast in our purpose, knowing the end results of Christ's work for us and in our place it has a profound effect on Christians as they do their daily task. We can show this with an illustration. Imagine two people working to build a chairlift with a long row of tall supporting poles that go from town through a marsh and then to the top of a beautiful mountaintop. And the one man is, is trained. He, he's a trained civil engineer. He has studied marshy ground. He knows what it takes to put the poles into the ground and to have them stay firm. He understands that although it takes a long time because the gravel keeps getting absorbed into the marsh, there is a point when the ground will become firm enough. And from then on, he will begin to see some more of the fruits of his labor. Well, beside him is a man without any knowledge of marshes, never even seen a marsh before. He doesn't know anything about building chairlifts and putting poles in the ground. And his lack of knowledge, his lack of study, 
keeps him simple, is unable to understand the big picture. And so his life is merely a series of reactions to the present situations. Now these two men are working on the same project, and as both these people spend day after day adding more and more gravel just into the first three holes for the poles that will go through the marsh, adding gravel, packing it down until it disappears, and then doing it again and doing it again. We ask what could possibly keep the man who did not see the big picture motivated to continue. You see, that's what happens. The man, without knowledge, he soon considers his job a waste of time. The blisters on his hands, the sore back, they seem pointless. And he's extremely discouraged. He actually has trouble getting up in the morning to do his work because his task gives him no pleasure at all. He ends up adopting the fatalistic attitude that Paul mentions. He even talks about that in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 32, where he says, If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. He becomes desperate to find his pleasures in the moment because he really believes there is nothing to look forward to. You see, if we don't believe that the dead are raised, and Paul asks this question in, in verses 29 to 32, he says, well, why would we put ourselves in, in danger every hour? Why would we fight beasts in, in Ephesus? Why would we gather every Sunday to hear the preaching of, of the gospel if our faith is futile? What do we gain from self-control, from depriving ourselves of available earthly pleasures, from suffering to get the job done, from standing up for what we believe and suffering because of that. Without the knowledge of God, a person has no reason to, to fight against sin. Look at verse 34, where, where is, for some have no knowledge of God and, and they live in a, in a drunken stupor. Little reason to find satisfaction in your work. In the end, it all looks pretty meaningless. Well, in our lives, we confess, we know that sometimes we have trouble seeing the big picture. Sometimes we, we don't keep it in front of us. Sometimes our, our Bibles are closed and, and we just think about the needs of the day and it can get discouraging. Things cannot will happen that they don't move quickly enough. We second guess ourselves gets a little wearisome, we get discouraged in our task. And then we look at our text, we're reminded if that ever happens, remember the resurrection of the body. Remember the triumph of Jesus Christ. Let that light shine on your task. Open the, the curtain of the therefore so the resurrection glory shines on what you're doing today. If we return to the analogy and compare the unknowing laborer to the trained civil engineer who knows that big picture and that the important place of continually and repeatedly dumping gravel into a hole even though it just seems to swallow it up, 
we can see how much easier it is to be steadfast and immovable in his work. Certainty of success carries a person each day. And so that trained civil engineer, he, he knows that no scoop of gravel, no blister, no sore back is a waste of time. The civil engineer is motivated to persist in his work by the destination he can see before him, and it, and it lifts him up also in his present task, even when it seems meaningless for a while. And motivated by the clear picture in our head, we can say every day again, therefore, knowing that my labor is not in vain, I will return to the repetitive digging and filling and putting up poles and, and running cable. And that's how the Holy Spirit encourages us in our text. He begins by showing us the glory of the resurrection, that bird fluttering in the sky, and then he shows what it means for us today as it comes to duty, be steadfast and unmoved, immovable. You know, you know how it is every Sunday, you are reminded, you're reminded of your place in the triumph of Jesus Christ. The gospel lifts us up. We have victory over sin and death. Well, Paul says, don't ever let that go. Don't let go of our Lord Jesus Christ as you're doing your labor, as you're thinking about your work. All our work and labor in the Lord is done in the context of the promise of the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 2, and there's a the connection between the very beginning of this chapter and the end. They, 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 they join each other. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 2, Paul says that we will stand, we'll be saved, if we hold fast to the word he preached. This word, says Paul, is nothing more than the gospel of Jesus Christ and him crucified. No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. As Paul deals then in this whole letter with all the, the issues that the Corinthians were facing because of sin, sinful nature, sinful desires, as he, as he deals with such things as divisions in the church and sexual immorality, and lack of discipline, and lawsuits, and marriage, and food sacrificed to idols, and Lord's Supper, and worship services. He shows that in this cycle of, of life, everything needs to be connected to Jesus Christ. He shows that to be steadfast and to be immovable is to continue in everything to return to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that gospel that Paul preached to you, that the Holy Spirit works in our hearts, will determine what your life looks like, what your labor looks like, where you will study, what you will study for, what work you will do, what your priorities will be. You see, our faith is not futile. It's not disconnected from reality. Our faith connects us to the one who has the final and the everlasting victory. 
It connects us to Jesus Christ like, like clamps on the finished chairlift connect to the cable that carries us to the top of the mountain. When we work in the Lord, we are doing things that serve the furtherance of his kingdom. And there's a direct connection between what we are doing now and what we will experience in the resurrection of our body. It's a, it's a continuous line. Our work isn't done on a conveyor belt leading us over the cliff to nowhere, but it is done in front of the door of death that opens up to more life with God on the other side. The words that Paul uses then point to a person continuing to be, continuing to be firmly in his position because he has settled the matter in his mind. He is certain that he does not want to shift around. He, he sees the door. And so with your mind locked in on the goal, like, like a fighter jet locks on its target, be steadfast and immovable in your work in the Lord. And what a blessing it is to see how the Holy Spirit places us inside Christ's kingdom and gives us his word so that we may be steadfast and immovable. You see, when our work is in the Lord, then it is also the Lord's work. And this work is the most excellent of all. It's very helpful to live in that understanding of the direct connection that we have to eternity. The good shepherd is the door that took the place of death for us. He calls us to follow him to the place that he has prepared for us in the new creation. And you are going about your daily business in that context, even though you can only see it with the eyes of faith. You have the promise of the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. And so you can know that your labor is not in vain. And now the question is, how useful is my vocation in the Lord's plan? How does what I do reflect my hope in the resurrection? How can I show my faith in the resurrection of my body in the, in the work that I do? when I choose my courses at university, when I take a look and evaluate my present career? What do I hope to gain for the kingdom of, of God through my situation, through my studies, through my work? How does the work that I do serve the kingdom of Jesus Christ? How does it serve my family? How does it serve my church? Could the Holy Spirit say that it is my sincere desire to do labor in the Lord that is not in vain? How is Christ and his victory seen through me when I am working? When our work is in the Lord, then it is also the Lord's work. And so it is never done in vain. And when we think like this, we, we become eager. It 
builds up within us. We, we want to reflect the fullness of Christ's victory in, in all that, that we do. We want to abound in the work of our Lord, as our text says. And, and that word abound, it, it, talks, it has the impression of overflowing, a, an overabundance, like a cup that is too full of water so it starts to overflow over the edges. It's, it's a word that talks about surpassing the limits of being prominent and excellent. Instruments in the hands of our Lord Jesus Christ are carried along by the Holy Spirit to pursue excellence in all their labor and so reflect that it is the Lord working through them. And all of a sudden we realize that whatever we do, whether we are raising up our children, spending our days filling out forms, serving in, in restaurants, talking on the telephone, picking up garbage, building skyscrapers, wiring homes, teaching children, what, whatever we are doing, we can do it in a way that shows our hope in the resurrection or not. It's not only what we do, but it is how we do it that gives glory to God. And, and this applies to every person in, in every situation. What, what do you look like when someone meets you as you are carrying out your labor? Not do you, what do you look like appearance, but what kind of person are you? And so when a new school year begins, we Look ahead, going to, to class, the alarm going off every morning kind of at the same time and then doing homework, trying to balance it between sports and, and self-control and this relentless stress of tests and tests and more tests. We look ahead to that, we kind of maybe feel a little disappointed, upset, worried. Or when we find ourselves in this boundary line between vacation and vacation and we, we find ourselves looking up a, to another year of seemingly endless laundry and meals and cleaning, daily commutes through school year traffic, bills to pay, the, the mail that just keeps coming and coming, employees to deal with, employers to deal with, scooping load after load of gravel, into a seemingly endless sinkhole. Well, God's people can do their task, not only with a steadfast commitment to Jesus Christ and the knowledge of our victory in Him, but also with determined excellence because He changes who we are. And you know what? Everything you do for the kingdom. In the name of the victorious King Jesus Christ, everything matters. Since there is continu continuity between today and forever, and since death is only a door that leads us to the next stage, then it means that what we do in the present time with our bodies, with our mind, with our world, it matters. It's the gospel of the resurrection that the Holy Spirit reveals to us in our text. Although you may forget some of the things you've learned, although your children can't tell you what they ate on the third Thursday of last month, all the labor that we are doing in the Lord 
as his ambassadors will last. It will matter. It will stand for all time. Abound in the Lord's work of raising up the next generation of believers. Fulfill your daily task to, to keep your families, your, the needy in your area, dry and, and fed because your King Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and your faith in him is not futile. Excel in your studies and, and your work in the areas of science and art and writing and business because your body will one day rise from the dead and you will live in the new creation you who have learned and studied and grown in all these areas. Apply yourself fully to prayer, to pastoral care of, of one another because God has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ and the world needs to know there is true hope and love and joy in his eternal kingdom. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58 is perhaps one of the most comforting verses about the resurrection. For in, in it, God promises that he will take your labor in the Lord and ensure that nothing you do for his glory is done in vain. And brothers and sisters, the, the scientist Isaac Newton is believed to have said that he liked his Calvinism like sugar in his tea, dissolved in solution. What he was saying was that the only way that theology, Bible study is very helpful in our lives is when it is mixed into everything we do, just like sugar is stirred into tea. When our theology permeates and flavors our speech, our relationships, and our work, it changes our, our whole perspective and, and it gives us much joy today. The, res, the re revelation of the resurrection is the same. Mix it into your conversation, your job choices, the way that you do your work, the way that you answer the phone, the priorities that you have. And you will find that you will become an increasingly useful tool in the working hands of our Lord Jesus Christ. And his resurrection triumph will shine through in all our labor. Praise be to, the God, to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.